Like many of you, we battle depression during life's ups and downs. Music has always been the one thing that we could rely on to get us through the tough times that we all face. Follow us on our journey as we discuss the healing power of music, interview bands, break down genres, review band biographies, and more. This is the When Words Fail Music Speaks Podcast with Blake Mosley and James Cox. And now, the When Words Fail Music Speaks interview. Career in Brooklyn, New York, as a teen making his rounds in the local hardcore scene. He created some, he created a name for himself by, by performing uh, fan venues like the CBGBs and many others. Hey, tell me, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Happy to be here. It's a nice day in Nashville, Tennessee. And, uh, you know, just been on the phone all day, making calls, talking to nice people like you, rapping about music, politics, the whole nine, everything. Yeah, well, music is the best best medication to talk about, I think, because here here on this podcast, we promote how music helps with depression and uh, and stress and, and anxiety. So, you know, like I said, would, I know all about all those three things. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Yeah, well, hopefully we'll get into all those three things today. Um, if, if you're comfortable talking about them. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I've been in. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, yeah, no, it's, it's all you. Go ahead, man. Oh, well, what I was going to say is like, I've been, you know, most people know, most people know me from, uh, you know, singing for Bad Wolves and, yeah, obviously the zombie cover. But then, you know, we had, a, we had several number one hits that I wrote, like Remember When and Sober, which are, you know, songs about dealing with drugs and alcohol addiction and the family disease of alcohol, alcoholism. You know, I grew up in a, in a household. My twin brother suffered from severe mental health issues. Um, you know, I, I've had depression and eating disorders that turn into drug addiction. And eventually, you know, the older I get, the more I've gone to therapy and worked in 12-step programs and kind of knocked one thing down after the next to kind of, um, you know, make my life better. And uh, it still comes, you know, like it's, uh, I've been an outspoken advocate against suicide. Um, You know, I'm an attempted suicide survivor. And, you know, I think it's the conversation around depression and anxiety is something that, you know, we hope to destigmatize by talking more about it and and humanizing. It's something that everyone everyone can, relate to and has experienced I think in one form or another right 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 so I I I am I have depression I've been uh medically um uh sought for it I guess that's a word you know I have uh clinically depression but I just got off my my medication about a few months ago right so so that's good news for me you know good for you yeah thank you what did they what did they have you on um they had me on a uh, 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 t- I don't know if you heard of that. Yeah, I guess. I heard of that. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's like like a generic, generic something else. You know, other. You know, because uh, I I I don't think the doctor wanted me wanted me to be on anything stronger than that. Okay. You know? 
Well, it's good. You got, you know, and I think too, it's important to talk about the, you know, there are times when, you know, we're going through the lowest of the lows and sometimes, you know, uh, having a, having good doctors and medicine help us temporarily get through that, um, are very, you know, are helpful. You know, I think sometimes the line gets crossed where I think sometimes we can, um, use medication to mask the problem. I think we still have to do a bit of work, like while we're on medication to kind of out the resentments or the fear um, or just the old tapes you know a lot of people uh, you know some people some of us come from abusive childhoods where uh, we were told negative things about ourselves at an early age and you know whether it was at home or at school and then we start to we we are impressionable so we believe them and then those things want to want to getting imprinted on us and so through spiritual work and through you know psychology I think those two things together can help us remove the damage done and start to look at ourselves in a different light and then rebuild our relationship with us. Right. You know? I think nowadays it's harder to trust everything all at one time because everybody is all about themselves and not about others, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and, and you, and you have a song now called trust of science. And I find, I find that very, uh, Open, opened, and we need to talk. We need to trust the science more often than, you know, just people telling us, "Hey, this doesn't work. This works," you know. And I think that's that's very awesome of you to to get the to get that message out there. And hey, you know, we gotta trust the science, you know. Well, actually, I think the song, you know, I think it's actually the song's intended purpose is not around psychiatric medication or medications like that. It's actually, the song is actually criticizing uh, how the hospitals fired nurses and doctors who didn't want to oh, get yeah. back. Right, yeah. 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 Um, Which is like, uh, you know, I find it hypocritical because these people, you know, when COVID first happened, they were on the front lines and they didn't know if they were all going to die. You know, they didn't know if they were going to get sick or what was going to happen to them. And they showed up for work and took care of sick people every day even if it was like, you know, to their own detriment. And then, you know, they were heroes on the front lines. And then 16, 12, 16 months later, they got fired if they didn't want to take, you know, the vaccine. And now, months later, we now know it, the vaccine doesn't didn't have high efficacy. Right. So it didn't work anyway. So unfortunately, a lot of people lost their jobs because they were right they didn't trust it and they were like i i that this is going to work is going to be 100 percent effective so i'm not going to risk it and then they got fired and i think yeah. that's unconstitutional yeah and and we need nurses more than ever now well i mean we've always needed nurses but i mean how can you fire people who want to help other people i don't, I don't understand it either you know it's it's truly like a travesty here in america so yeah, I mean, you know, they fired a lot in, in New York. They fired a lot of police officers. They fired EMT workers and firefighters, and right. yeah. it's just very unfortunate, you know. And and uh, you know, I hope all these people get justice, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big thing nowadays, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, before uh, before we started this podcast uh, with you, um, we talked about how how I'm living in Columbia, South Carolina, and and I gotta go to other states to enjoy, you know. Um, some music, but the good news is like Cannibal Corpus is coming, and we're getting we're getting all all these bands coming coming into South Carolina now, which is great. 
But nice. But I did meet you one one time before, and I know you probably don't remember me, but that's okay. But I do. Which, I vaguely remember you, but I don't remember what yeah. city, what what venue were we at? Okay, okay. So let me pull up the. Um, hold on, just a minute. I got the. Uh, I, oh, you got I, a I got it. Yeah, man, I got your picture. Me and you together, dude. All right, hold on. Right there. Did you see it? Yeah, that's. Uh, oh my god, I'm wearing a Nemec hoodie. <laughs> yeah, that, dude, that was a. Two- that's Divine Heresy tour. Yes, that was Divine Heresy, man. That was like probably the best thing of my life, right there. Yeah, dude, that was. 2007? Seven. Seven. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, you go way back. Yeah, man. Man, you are, uh, you, you and I are going to be our, 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 like, homeboys, you know? But, um, yeah, yeah dude. But, uh, I, that's I, why. I'll tell you why that was the best day of my life, you know? Uh, one of them is, okay, so I have a, I have a, 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 a walker with me, right? You know, I have to walk with a walker because I have CP, right? And, that and that venue was so small, right? But but it was super duper crowded, right? And and uh, the Vineyards was playing. You were you know you were up just singing, and uh, and I don't know how you saw me, but I was way back in the back, sitting down, and and you pointed to me and you said, "I see you, man," and and that just like, oh my god, you know, it's like 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 a schoolgirl crush kind of, but not really, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> And so yeah, man. you made my whole life that day, dude. So I want to honestly thank you for, you know, I mean, just, just, I mean, just for recognizing somebody, you know? Yeah, man. Why? Well, I'm glad, man. I'm glad. I remember. I've, what was the name of the venue? God, it was so long ago. Uh, it was in Spartanburg. It was Ground Zero. Ground Zero. That's right. Yeah. yeah and it was uh, with Shadows Fall and Static X, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. And Three Inches of Blood played, too. Did they, I don't think they made that tour. I, I I think they're I I think they weren't on that on that on that day. But uh, but I remember yeah. Static, and I remember they they, yeah. they only played shows with us. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. they were they were all run in different cities. Like yeah, yeah. dude, that's so wild, man. That's yeah. old school. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah. It's good to see you again. Yeah, wow. All right, it's been a minute, but but we're here now. So um, I also wanted to talk to you about um. So you're a wrestling fan, correct? Yeah, I'm I'm an old school wrestling fan. Yeah, because yeah. because nowadays it just sucks, and I don't know how they can bring it back. You know, but I think everybody wants to bring back the attitude here, but they but they can't because nowadays, it's, like I said, it's all about me. You know. Um, yeah. But I didn't notice, but uh, you did the 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 theme song for Baron Corbin called End of Days. Yes, I did. Uh, yeah. The end of days was the. I actually got to work with Jim Johnston, who's written tons and tons of WWE songs. I was the last song that he ever collaborated on for WWE in his career. We did yeah. together. Yeah, because I was before. gonna ask you, did you work with him or did you work with Steve Steve Owens? Because they're they they're taking over the you know the reins of the theme music now. But uh, but I okay. So like like did did. Did Baron or like did WWE get with you? I mean, call you up and say, "Hey, we want this, we want this song yeah. we got for you." Well, Baron is a friend of mine, and we've known each other for before he was in WWE. And uh, I actually happened to be at the Staples Center to see uh, Monday Night Raw, I think it was. And my buddy is friends with Sasha Banks, so in nice. 2017 we got like floor seats to go see this. And I didn't know that Baron was wrestling and he came out and I saw him and then he came up and he saw me yeah. kind of the way that I saw you yeah. and he jumped at me 
walking and grabbed me by the wrist and put my hands up and the whole crowd went crazy. Oh, nice. And I was on and then he went in the ring and he and he fought his match and then they sent security and they came out and escorted us backstage and we got to meet everybody and it was super dope. Nice. Did he win that match? I think he won, yeah. Okay, so you're you're yeah, well, yeah, dude, it's all good. Yeah, I mean I love wrestling now, but uh yeah, but I mean it could be better storylines now, but uh but yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. um so I recently found out on a on a another podcast that you you're a sobriety coach. Uh, for musicians, yeah, I, I was a sober coach for about six years. I haven't I haven't been working actively because so that my career took off, obviously. So I've been busy like making music and stuff. But yeah, I did I did uh, I ran a rehab in Santa Monica in 2015 and 16, and I also uh, sober coached several celebrities uh, in LA while I was out there helping them get through their first 30 to 60 days of recovery without relapsing. It's also how I came to work for Five Finger Death Punch in 2017. So, I'm um, going back to when you when you did uh, your um, sobriety coaching. Uh, could could you tell us what a session with you is like? I mean, like how like was there any 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 ways better for that client to to get out of the uh, the 30 well, to 60 days? Yeah, yeah. Well, basically. Um, it's almost like a big brother program where, you know, what my clients commit to, I live with them. So I'm a 24 seven caregiver. So, you know, I've had musicians who I go on tour with or actors who I go on set with. I've had athletes who I have to go to practice and stuff. And, and basically my job is to be around if they get triggered or feel like they're going to relapse they, we can immediately do, you know, therapeutic session work and talk therapy. Um, sometimes it's meditation. Sometimes we're, we'll be like, all right, let's go to the gym, you know, or, you know, there's just all different kinds of techniques that uh, I would use to kind of switch their mindset when they were feeling like uh, they, they would relapse. And maybe if they were by themselves, they would, you know, and so uh, it's a, it's, it's very gratifying work. It's tiring because you're with another person constantly for, you know, and that's why I, I work in 30 to 60 day volumes, like one or two months with somebody all the time, all day, every day, yeah. you know, is it's a lot. It is. Yeah. You know, but it, but I haven't lost the guy yet. So nice. Yeah. Cause, cause I find it more, um, and, it's always good when you have somebody else looking out for you, you know, because yeah. your mind plays tricks on your brain big time, big time, you know. Absolutely. Like, yeah, like, yeah, so anytime you can do something for anybody else, it's great, you know. Um, so, uh, you had a rough time growing up, and, and like, like in gangs, I figured it out that, that, that I found out you, that you were in, and uh, you came home and took a look at the poster of a musician on your wall, and uh, you're like, I want to do that. Do you remember which musician or band that was that poster was that you looked at and you said, "Hmm." Yeah, it was. It was the. It was actually Lynn Street from Snot, and I wound up singing for them. Right. You know, ten yeah. ten years later. You know, almost ten ten eleven years later. So, the universe manifests weird things. You know, it when does. we work for it. Yeah. Um. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but but Snot never released the album with you on it. 
And no, what? no, we did two demo okay. songs. Uh, we did a song called Coulda, Shoulda, Woulda, and then we did a song called The Band Plays On. And we played those two songs live um, when we went on tour. We toured with Mudvayne right. in uh, 2008, I want to say. Yeah. Um, so you've, you've been starting, you've started doing music when you were 14 or, or so you were old, correct? Yeah, yeah, I was a little guy. <laughs> Uh, so what 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 bands were you into in in, in those teenage years? Yeah, like I, I listened to a variety of different music. So I like really was into Pantera, Fear Factory, Machine Head, um, local hardcore bands like Candiria, you know, E Town Concrete, because uh, those were the shows that were in our neighborhood. Hate Breed, when uh you know when everyone was new. And then, you know, I, I liked alternative music. I loved Alice in Chains. I loved the Deftones, um, Fiona Apple, the Cranberries. Uh, and then on the hip hop side, I was a huge Buster Rhymes fan, loved Biggie Smalls, uh, Wu-Tang, uh, you know, just Cypress Hill. It, it was kind of all over the place. You know, I, I just like really loved music and absorbed all kinds of music. and. I think around 97, I got into, I got a Meshuggah record from my friend Matt and I was like, oh my God, what is this, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, and just, I, I just was like, I just like to absorb, you know? Loved Incubus, I, you know, the first Limp Biscuit record was super rad till everybody found out about them. Right. And they were like, oh, you know? Uh, yeah. Like, cool, and then every, and then they were on TRL like, Meh. But now they're cool again because it's been so long, you know. It's like a nostalgia thing to go see Limp Bizkit. Right, right. But see, uh, uh, um, you probably heard of this their, their album Limp Bizkit still sucks, and I think that's that's great that they're that they're making fun of themselves now, you know, after all yeah. these years. So you yeah, gotta, they're doing. Yeah, they're they're doing that thing. I mean, you gotta make fun of yourself sometimes, you know. Everything everything can be, you know. <laughs> I do it all the time, my friend. I don't take it. You know, I say I take my job seriously, but not myself. There you go. That's the way it should be. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. You hit it on the on the nose. Uh, okay. Well, so, so I, I I asked all my guests this, but since you mentioned two two bands that I've always asked, um, would you rather listen to Deftones or Incubus right now? Deftones. Yes. Why? I think overall. Deftones have more songs that I love. I think, you know, I I've gone to see Deftones voluntarily more than any any other band. I've gotten to sing with the Deftones um, on stage in uh, in I think I think it was like 2016 or 15. Um, and like Incubus, the first two records are amazing, and then I think like after the bass player Dirk Lance left it sort of changed the sound and then Light Grenades had a couple of really cool songs and then I just feel like overall they put out great singles but I, I don't really listen to their albums as a whole anymore um, great live band I actually got to go see they played the Greek theater a few nights in a row on the Make Yourself tour they just played Make Yourself from start to finish um, and it was amazing oh, it was God. so amazing I took my ex-girlfriend and and um she also loved Incubus and we sang like every song and then they came out and they played like old they played Shaft from the Ooh. demos from Enjoy Incubus yeah. and Shade of Green and just stuff that I haven't heard in 25 years I was like yo you know it was like holy crap <laughs> so, 
yeah, it was, it's a, they're a great live band. Um, but there's just something about Deftones just hit you. Oh, like every single song in the Deftones set is a hit. Right. Right. You know, it's just oh, like, you know, from, from adrenaline to, you know, uh, um, around the fur to the white pony, Man. you know, you know, to the self-titled to, Mon, um, Saturday Night Wrist to Diamond Eyes to Coin No Yo Can like there's not a bad there's not, not a bad the whole yeah. yeah yeah and I think like I think I, I didn't really get into gore that much because I was kind of at that time Sheena released Crosses and I think a lot of the creative energy that he put out came out in the Crosses record and so I didn't really gore didn't really hit me that way um, but yeah they, they just consistently relentless in making good interesting songs I'm gonna 100% agree with you on that one because I still I will fight anybody to this day White Pony is still like the greatest I've ever made yeah it's, White, it's phenomenal White Pony. And, it's, and when they came out the thing that's cool about Deftones is they were one of the original rap metal bands in the, in the 90s and when everybody started doing rap metal they were like we're just no we're gonna do our <laughs> which is good you know, yeah, Cause, cause, because it shows that they didn't, you know, as artists, they never, you know, they never um, sold out or they just did what they wanted to. They don't follow trends, you know, and that's why I respect Deftones the way I respect Pantera. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because Pantera, uh, I've never seen Pantera live, but I'm sure it was a uh, sight to see, dude. It was oh, a yeah. sight to see. Yeah, I have. Nothing like it. It was yeah. like a church. It's like it was like the church of heavy metal. You're just like, this is it, that's you like, know. And see, that that's exactly what 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 the way I feel when I saw Deftones for like I saw them four times and every every one of them was like a was like a religious experience because they don't need any fireworks like Kiss. They don't need, yeah, any, yeah. you know, they just do their thing and you're like, oh my god, what did I just witness? You know? It's yeah, they, yeah, man. They're just jammers. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, 2007, uh, Divine Heresy came along uh, with uh, Tim, which is a great uh, one of the greatest drummers ever, ever born, I guess. I think. Yeah, has, great uh, dude. Too. No yeah. friends to this day. Great dude. I actually met him when when, when I met you at a uh, and um, okay. I, and I did meet Joe Payne, and I'm and I'm so sad that, that you know that he's not here with us because he was. He was yeah. like a total sweetheart to me, you know. He just answered all my questions, and I had no nothing but love for the man, you know. So, yeah, I um, I got to me. I got to spend some time in 2019. We played South Carolina with Papa Roach, and that's where Joe's from. So uh, he we oh actually we played North Carolina, and he drove up, and uh, you know we got he got to like you know see the whole show, you know, and see how far it had come and you know it was like 3,000 people and which is not a lot but it's still a lot you know that's for, for lot, metal yeah. band yeah yeah and like we had we were starting to talk about doing a divine heresy reunion um then and then um you know I was like I, we had called Tim and Tim was like yeah I'm down just you guys just gotta get Dino to get it together because he's an asshole and so yeah so so basically like I went. I actually like went home, had Christmas, then went to Europe with Megadeth and Death Punch with, um, on the Bad Wolves tour, and then I I got the news that Joe had passed away. His um yeah. his his 
one of his friends had reached out to me and said that he was missing. And uh, his his brother wound up flying to his house, and they they found that he had he had actually overdosed. And uh, yeah, I was just uh, it was just sad, man. Like the last video he sent me, he texted me of he was at a bar drunk, singing zombie, smoking a cigarette, just in all in his Joe glory, you know, just yeah. like being being Joe. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this guy, and, and uh, you know, he had some hard times, man, and he he couldn't bounce back. He was a great soul and a, a really good, kind person. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was he was one of the best, the, my my most favorite people that I actually met, you know, face to face. So yeah. Um. So yeah. in the right here, see, did 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 Tim, uh, like like did like like did did Dino or like Tim ask you to join the band, or did you did you try to form this band with another m- member, or no no. Uh, I auditioned to uh, the well. Dino was originally working with Nick Barker from Demo Borgier and so a couple of the demos that were written for like The Threat Is Real and Save Yourself he sent me and I, I recorded the audition tapes in New York and sent them back and I got the job yeah so I was in LA uh, in February 2006 yeah dude I still listen to the song Fail Creation to this day it's, oh, right on. it's so great dude it's so great um so you have uh, you been with bands that have time with Lemon Simon uh, and Roadrunner Records and Sensory Media Records? Uh, which yep. which company was the best to work with? And like, because I know you're you're going in, you're going independent now, right? Or 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 are you signed to like another? I'm currently releasing music independently. I, I have a few labels that have reached out, but honestly, like, I just think that. Uh, at this point, you know, it's not worth it to sign a record deal because they own your masters. They tell you what to do. They'll censor you. Uh, and it's not to say that that's every label, but at the same time, like, you know, I just, I put out one song two weeks ago and it dropped at number five on billboard. And that's with no radio, absolutely no radio help, barely any press, no record label, no management, no PR firm, no like no mega PR firm, like nothing, no billboards, no Spotify playlists, nothing. And 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 it's literally just from my email list. You know, I just emailed everybody, hey, I have a new song out. And I posted it on Facebook and Instagram, which I'm, I'm shadow banned on, so those barely even count. So, you know, at this point, I just... Uh, a record label would have to offer me a substantial amount of money and they would have to, in my contract, they would have to allow me, they would have to respect my first amendment rights of freedom of speech. So if that's able, then there's nothing to talk about. And then, you know, I'll probably, you know, it's a racket, you know, they, you know, it's not really worth it. Signing a record. If you have money, like I'm, I'm not really strapped for money. I'm, I'm, quite successful i have enough money to start my own record label if i want um so to me you know if i i've seen the numbers right if i put out a song and i put out one song and make a hundred thousand dollars off one song why would i sign with a record deal and then make you know what what happens is is you put out one song and you make like you know four thousand dollars because they take yeah, so I'm like, why why would I do this anymore? You know, so I could be in their cool club with a bunch of people I don't like. You know, I don't really like a lot of people in the industry because I don't do drugs. You know, so 
it's like, well, it's actually not that I don't like them. It's that they don't like me because I don't party with them. And so then they're like, they'll talk about me and stuff behind my back. And it always, everything always gets back to me. And I just don't like that little crew. Like it's just a, a bunch of people who are very small minded and, you know, they get into gossip and, you know, they get up like anything you're doing there in your business. And it's like, I don't, I'm not in high school. Like I'm a 40 year old man. Like I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't play games like that. You don't. Yeah, yeah, I got more important things to do than than this nonsense, you know. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I think I feel I feel like everybody's going to independent because they're because they're realizing uh, that that uh, major uh, record labels just 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 do the does everything to get your money from you. And uh, I was tell I, I was talking to Elias from Nine Point, and that's mm-hmm. likely why they created your own record label because they were they were fed up with people telling them how and why and what to do with their own songs and you know yeah. I, so i think it's great that uh that independent labels are are here you know so no absolutely i mean i i just think you know <clears throat> the song trust the science that we put out is features my buddy tofer who's a rapper like you know all my friends who are independent they're all going platinum or getting number one songs all over the place and they have no, no no help from the labels or nothing. Right. It's it's all it's like social media and email lists. So even if they delete my social media, I, if I can email a hundred thousand people, then why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, bro. FYI, like, I have a new song out. And you know, if only if only fifty percent of those people buy my song, it's like, all right. Yeah. What's the point? You know what I mean? People are like, oh, but you got to be on the radio. And I'm like, I've already been on the radio. I yeah, have six yeah. number one songs. Yeah. It's like- you know what I mean? I, I literally have song like, I'm such a good songwriter at this point that other people have to steal my songs. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, so I'm like, okay, like, whatever. Like, obviously I'm doing something right. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and yeah. also radio is very politicized. There are certain, like, there are stations that, won't play me because of who I voted for in 2020. Right. Yeah. And that's insane. Yeah. It's absolutely. Yeah. It seems like they're ignoring your, your first amendment rights, you know, which is not, you know, um, I don't know. So, well, it's okay because what, what happens is, is, and this is the, this is what winds up happening. If they don't play anything that matters or they don't play any artists that say anything socially relevant, what happens with the rock charts is you look at the top five artists and, and look at right now. I'm in the top five. Right. Okay. Cool is number two. Nirvana is number one. ACDC is number three. Like, no new bands have a chance. No. And it's because the record labels are censoring artists and what they can say and the, and the radio stations are on board with the censorship and streaming platforms are okay with the censorship. And so what happens is, is that the people who want to listen to music that's relevant to what their experience in life is, is that's what music's supposed to do. They're not getting it. And so a bunch of, a bunch of artists are putting out garbage music and not understanding why they're not selling any records. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's like the Kanye West thing. Like when, you know, I watched his documentary and Kanye West is a wild, he's a wild dude. Like, you know, he, he struggles with mental health stuff. And yeah. I think sometimes it's, it's messed up because, you know, the, the, the media picks on this man who, who's bipolar disorder. You're abusing him. 
and he already is like he's already dealing with mental health issues but it's acceptable to do when you're famous like imagine if you abu just abused a regular person who had who was bipolar that that would that would make you a piece of shit. Right. you know what i mean mm -hmm. and the media gets away with bullying people um you know and the thing with kanye is like nobody listened to him his whole career he was he was making beats for other people and he couldn't get in the door people laughed at him and then finally he did everything on his own and then he blew up and then everyone took him seriously yeah that's just weird that, that i i guess when they realize that he can do something on his own it's like okay well what can you do for me now you know i guess that's, well, that's the way to say it you know but they it's an industry right industry oh, yeah. They want to make, that's the problem with the music industry is it's like a factory. You know, every iPhone looks the same and comes in the same case. They just change the colors around. So you have all these bands on labels and they literally sound the same. They literally look the same. They literally say the same shit and it's boring as fuck. It's pathetic. Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I you know, agree. think when we were kids, like the bands that were out, none of them sounded the same, right? Pantera didn't sound like anybody else. Uh, Incubus and Deftones didn't sound like Corn. They didn't sound like anybody else. Everyone sounded like their own thing. Limp Bizkit, uh, you know, Fear Fact, Meshuggah, uh, you know, pick, pick a band. And then the then when the industry gets too involved, they try to make everyone sound the same because they want to replicate the success because they're not driven by art. They're driven by money, and it's disgusting. Yeah. So on on December twenty third, twenty twenty one, last year, I, yeah, this is twenty twenty two. So last year, um, the album uh, "Lone Wolf Uncovered" came out uh, from songs like "Hollywood Is Bleeding" by Post Malone, I think, right? Um, yep. To to the hills by the weekend, um, which that album got held up too, right? Like like because like because we wanted to release earlier. But something happened, and I'm not sure how, like, like how why I got held up. Um, it got held up because we went into a lawsuit. Um, we had a lawsuit um, between me versus the record label and my former band members. So okay. we wound up settling, you know, and uh, it was pretty ugly and it was unfortunate. And to be honest, like everything should have gone. You know, I think whenever lawyers get involved, lawyers make more drama so that it lasts longer because they bill you by the hour. And it should have just been, it shouldn't have taken as long as it did. Right. And basically, you know, um, you know, I, everything got released on Christmas Eve of last year. And uh, I emailed everyone a free copy that donated to the GoFundMe, a uh, free copy of the album. Um, and then the cover album is, is like, is only, you know, in, on a secured site for those people. Right. Uh, but it's going to get released on all streaming platforms. Um, I'm probably going to, after my album comes out, I'm going to just start dropping one song like a week for 20 weeks. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was one of the ones that supported you too, so I got a free album, <laughs> which is great. Because uh, that, well, man, I will be straight up honest with you, that is a killer, killer, killer album, dude. Thanks, man. Oh. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It was a lot of experimenting on on songs that I was like, I don't know if I could sing this, you know? So I really, I really tried to flex my vocals and get into a place where I could work in all these different genres. And I think the new, um, the new record is definitely, uh, it definitely sounds the way that it does because 
I did all that work on on all those other songs, you know, learning how to get better. Yeah. I was gonna ask you, um, did did all of these songs mean something to you as a as as a, as a you know, because because different songs have different meanings to everybody. So did so did you pick these songs because they because they meant something to you or like oh well I want to try yeah. this song. Every single song had some kind of meaning, you know what I mean? They were relevant to a part of my life, you know? So whether there were certain songs I listened to when I went through a breakup or when I moved or, you know, um, you know, there was just, there's just so many things, you know, each song is, is got its own little backstory. And, you know, this, the cover album will probably be a uh, part of the soundtrack to my biography when I draw my biography. So when the book comes out, that's going to be the, the little two-piecer. Nice, nice. So I've been on your TikTok at, um, at Tommy is next for people who want to follow you. Um, yep. so I, okay. So I don't know if this is a, uh, like, a, like a teaser for, for more cover songs to come up, but, um, I'm a big fan of Temple of the Dog here. And, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And I saw or and heard, you did you did a, a cover of uh, Hunger Strike. I did. So in 2020, I did a cover of Hunger Strike, and I didn't know who was going to do the other vocals, the Cornell vocals. Okay. And so I had randomly gotten a call from Chris Daughtry, who asked me to sing on his record, and I was like, I'll sing on your song if you sing on this song. And he was like, cool. And then he did... And then I split with Bad Wolves and the cover album got shelved for a while. And then this was kind of a whack move. Daughtry went and copied the cover oh, no. and, and had Lejean from Seven Dust sing my parts. He be, he almost note for note cop re-recorded it. Right. And then put it out and uh and basically I leaked the track on Instagram and like thousands of people well, like went on his page and they were like, this is bullshit. And then, you know, Chris wasn't man enough to actually talk to me about it. He actually had his little manager call me oh. and apologize. Yeah. And like, it was just really, you know, my whole band, we, my whole band and crew, we were on speakerphone listening to this guy grovel. And it was really, a, it was just another example of how pathetic people in the music industry behave. You know, they, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. And, you know, I've been told by, other people that this is he's this guy is that's the kind of character he is and he's he steals work from people and he's kind of a person and it was a real bummer because i was a huge fan of his like a huge huge fan and i was like wow this is absolutely pathetic so you know this is usually what uh this is just kind of how it goes in the music industry these days yeah unfortunately um yeah, for that thirty seconds or, or or however long the TikTok was, man, you brought me back to my childhood, man. Because Table of the Dog is where it's at. You know, you got Soundgarden and you got a uh, uh, Pearl Jam, which is two of the, mo the mo monstrous bands nowadays. You know, because cause yeah. I grew up literally listening to, to um a Soundgarden, not so much Pearl Jam, but Soundgarden, Nirvana, and Some Temple Pilots was my three bands back then. Oh yeah, low yeah. STP. I've yeah. never seen. I've seen them with Chester Bennington, but never seen STP with Wyland. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to see him go too. Well, one more question before I let you go. Um, Absolutely. Okay. So this this uh, this podcast is called When Words Fail, Music Speaks, and that can be mm -hmm. anything from the truth. But um, 
is there a song that you, that you can think of right now that that means something to you so much that you can't tell anybody else how it makes you feel inside? Uh, a song that I'm listening to right now. Yeah, actually, there's this. Uh, I, I listen to this gospel singer called Lauren Lauren Diego, and she has a she has a popular song called Rescue, and it's kind of what I've been jamming while I drove. I just drove cross country from LA to Nashville, and uh, you know, it's just a very spiritual, uplifting. Um, you know, song about you know her relationship with with her higher power. Nice, nice. Well, yeah. Well, Tommy has the uh, a song called "Truth of Science" on on any kind of platform you have now. So go, yeah, go download, check, it, go to check it out. Yeah, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. Uh, you can find me at Tommy uh, Free Tommy Vex on Instagram. Tommy is Vex on Facebook. Tommy is Vex on TikTok. At T Vex on Twitter, Tommy Vex on Truth Social. <laughs> I'm on all of them, man. I'm on Getter as Tommy Vex. I'm on all the platforms. And then you can sign up for my mailing list uh, at TommyVexOfficial.com. And then we're gonna be re- we're gonna actually be giving away some free music uh, over the next couple of weeks in preparation for the album release. And so Grand Theft Audio will be in in, in uh, it'll be available everywhere on all platforms in July. And then we will be going out on tour this summer with Adelita's Way on the U.S. tour, five or six weeks, followed by a trip to Europe. Nice, nice. All good things are coming to you, man. And I all the good. And I sincerely, sincerely, uh, thank you for coming on our show today. And, no, thank you, Pat. And I will say this to you. Last thing before I before I let you go. Anytime that you feel down, you can always text me or or, or my my IG because I talked to you before. And uh, yeah, you, you, you know, you were truly one of the uh, most, um, you know, down earth people that I've ever d- d- talked to before. And uh, well, for me, you're you're like a brother to me. So yeah, I appreciate it, man, and and thank you also for having the courage to talk about things that matter, like depression and anxiety and, and all that stuff. Because we need to keep that dialogue open. And you know, I mean, it's inspiring. You know, so keep doing what you're doing and keep inspiring others. And yeah, we'll be in touch, man. It's good to see you after all these years, yeah, right? Dude. I was like, yes, I got him on this. I was like, I wonder if he still remembers me. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you know, so that so so I had that picture pulled up and like, okay, well, yeah, you know me. So awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, man. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Bye. All right, brother. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. Appreciate it, man. And and thank you also for having the courage to talk about things that matter like depression and anxiety and, and all that stuff because we need to keep that dialogue open and you know i mean it's inspiring you know so keep doing what you're doing and keep inspiring others and you know we'll be in touch man it's good to see you after all these years yeah, right? dude. i was like yes i got him i was like i wonder if you still remember me i don't know <laughs> you know you know so that so so i had that picture pulled up and like okay well yeah you know me so awesome thank you thank you very much thank you so much man i'll talk to you soon yes sir Bye. All right, brother. Bye. Bye.